0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this week's Tela Town Hall. Uh, I am Sabangali Cook, the Director of Business Development and Strategy within the Mayor's Office, uh, the Mayor's Office of uh, Planning and Economic Development. As most of you tune in uh, to these weekly town halls, you know that we have used this platform to share relevant in-time uh, information, guidance, and resources each week to residents, businesses, and, and stakeholders and the like. Uh, this town hall is no different. Today our theme is procurement. And when we talk about procurement today, we're going to uh, look at it from the lens of doing business here with the District of Columbia, uh, but also federal opportunities and outside forces as well. Uh, today I am joined with some very uh, special colleagues of mine here uh, at the table and also uh, on uh, camera here. And I'd like to first uh, start by introducing Assistant uh, City Administrator Jay Melder uh, to my right.
1: Thanks, upon the way. Um Hello. Uh, a pleasure to be on this week's uh, tele town hall uh, for the Economic Recovery Team. My name is Jay Melder. I'm the Assistant City Administrator for Washington D.C. Um, and I have the great pleasure um, to work on behalf of Mayor Bowser and City Administrator Young to support all of our district agencies and functions in getting what they need to do their job and to serving district residents. And so really excited to talk today about um, district procurement. And when I think about district procurement, I think about two things. Uh, that's getting exactly what the district needs uh, to do its job um, and, to, and to get it as much as we can um, from local DC businesses so we support the surrounding and um, our business community as well. So as everybody knows, and as everybody is dealing with, um, the district government has been responding uh, to COVID-19 since um, since February, actually. Being told to take my mask off. I hope <laughs> Dr. Nesbitt isn't watching. Um, <laughs> uh, since uh, late February, we've been responding to this crisis. Um, a large part of that has been um, putting the district in an emergency procurement. Um, posture, where uh, we've had to go out and source the personal protective equipment, the medical surge and medical supplies equipment, um, the service contracts and the labor that the district needed to be able to uh, successfully um, respond and and blunt the curve of coronavirus um, in the district. Um, So we've we've worked really hard to be as transparent as possible uh, about our procurement needs, about our procurement processes. Uh, We've worked extremely hard in engaging um, CBEs and local district business um, in that response and in that process. And I'm really happy um, to be joined and to work alongside uh, George Shutter, our chief procurement officer who leads our amazing procurement office. Um, They have been working um, literally 24 um, hours a day, seven days a week since this pandemic began uh, to make sure that the district um, and our residents and our communities and businesses and visitors had exactly what they needed um, to stay safe during this emergency. So I want to turn to him, for him to talk a little bit about what our process has been, what our process is going to look like um, going forward, and how we really intend to continue um, to work in partnership um, with the DC business community to make sure that um, our needs are met. George. Thank you, Jay, Uh,
2: very much. appreciate that. I'm, I'm George Shutter. I'm the Chief Procurement Officer of the District of Columbia and um, uh, very happy to be here, very happy to to support uh, the administration and our health department in this, uh, this pandemic. Uh, it has been a professionally uh, intense and, and fascinating uh, period of time for us certainly. I think Jay back at the end of February or the, maybe it was the first weekend of of March, uh, getting that call of needing to acquire uh, a quarantine site, and uh, negotiating that overnight uh, and and getting that in place uh, so that we can support the needs of the the city, uh, the needs of the district. And uh, since that time, uh, working with you, working with our uh, administration, uh, working with the health departments, uh, the district businesses, uh, have really come through, uh, to support, uh, the needs that we've had in this pandemic. Okay. And, uh, from the get-go, from, uh, from hotels to, uh, other needs that we've, we've had, um, <clears throat> it's been, um, it, it, it's certainly been intense and it's, it's been good. Um, we, uh, I'm, I'm definitely proud of our district businesses uh, being able to come together from uh, from coffee roasters uh, to distillers uh, to be able to provide sanitizer uh, to uh, companies that have been able to, to pivot uh, to providing uh, PPE uh, <clears throat> to companies that have figured out how to get the NPs and the P's of the uh, testing supplies that we need, yeah. uh, and, and bringing them to, uh, our district in a, uh, in a, uh, a, a timely period yeah. has been fantastic.
1: Yeah. And help in the seat too how fluid and dynamic our local business community was in responding to those needs. I know that the, the OCP team did a lot of work, um, recognizing, that oh listen our business community is going to respond they're going to show up um, and we did a lot of work building out a vendor relations team at OCP unlike we've had previously because we were doing so much uh, business and doing so many transactions and seeing our local business um, come to us saying hey we we think we've got what you need or we can get it and uh, that was really amazing to see uh, the businesses kind of uh, transform into a to a new model um, and. Uh, I think they did a lot for us.
2: That yeah, that's that's totally true. Um, you know, we, we have uh, over the years uh, done a good job of having an emergency operations center and, and being able to support uh, emergencies. But in COVID uh, here, being able to bring those uh, requirements through, uh, being able to work with our uh, CBEs, being able to work with our, our small businesses to uh, meet those needs have been uh, really fantastic. Um, the COVID site that we've had and the COVID procurement site uh, to be able to uh, show those uh, needs and uh, be able to, to show the, uh, um, <clears throat> where we're going forward has been a, uh, a positive thing uh, as well. Something that I, I do want to think about as well going forward, uh, Jay, as we move forward from uh, COVID as we're <clears throat> uh, pivoting is our ability um, and the, the new legislation in place to uh, have uh, looking at our requirements going forward at 50% of those needs uh, with our small businesses in the district and being able to, to focus to that and, and pivot to that
0: as we go forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd also like to uh, introduce uh, some of our other amazing colleagues that are on the line, and I'd like to start with Milton Goodman from the Department of Small and Local Business Development. Welcome, Milton.
3: Hello, everyone. Hi, Sabah, and thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate that. Um, Yes, I'm Milton Goodman, the uh, Program Manager for the District of Columbia's Procurement Technical Assistance Center. We're housed in un, under the Department of Small and Local Business Development, where we render advisory services to small and mid-sized businesses who are seeking contracting opportunities in the federal space as well as the state and local government space. Um, very, very pleased to be here this, uh, on this particular town hall. We'd love very much to talk about our program and. Um, Make sure that you know the intimacies of the program when you come and talk to us. I know we got just a small amount of time here today, but I will give you as much as I can with respect to the program itself and uh, would love very much to get feedback from everyone.
0: Thank you so much, Milton. We're so glad to have you here to share a little bit more about um, what the PTAC uh, program holds. Um, There are lots of different wins and successes, so I'm excited that you are here with us today. Um, next, I would love to also introduce another one of our colleagues uh, from uh, an external entity, uh, Steve Glade, the president and CEO of CNHED Coalition for Nonprofit Housing and Economic Development. Uh, and I'd love for him to go ahead and take it away and also introduce himself. <coughs> guest.
4: Um, thank you, Sabangali. Um, I, I want to thank Team Dim- Dimped for giving us this opportunity to talk about the D.C. Community Anchor uh, Partnership. Uh, First of all, for those who may not know CNHED, um, we're a citywide association made up of 100 nonprofits and about 65 mission-driven for-profits who work on a range of community issues, um, including homelessness and affordable housing and workforce development. Um, What we largely do is advocacy on behalf of those programs and the organizations and businesses that benefit from those programs. But the other thing that we do is focus on community solutions that others aren't addressing. Um, All of us are increasingly aware of the racial disparities in the district and the fact that small businesses are critical to increasing individual incomes as well as building individual wealth. We also know that small, particularly minority businesses, are challenged with access to markets and capital and that this lack of access prevents them from growing hiring more people and building individual and family wealth the community anchor partnership and, and this is really kind of like a coming out party because we haven't done a lot of um district-based public presentations about decap. so i really appreciate this opportunity but the community anchor partnership was uniquely designed to give minority businesses in the district access to larger to our largest markets, which include our universities and health systems. Um, growth is almost entirely dependent on market access. Um, frankly, if you get the market, you can get the capital, you can get the staffing, but getting access to the market is one of the greatest challenges. So we designed DCAP to shift these institutions' procurements to minority, D.C.-based businesses. Currently, we're working with Georgetown University, Bridgepoint Hospital, UDC, Sibley Hopkins Hospital, Children's National Medical Center, and soon to be Kaiser Permanente. And to give you a sense of this landscape, there are 18 universities and hospitals in the district. And as of two years ago, when we collectively assessed their purchasing, they procured $2 billion annually. They purchased very little from any district-based businesses and a much smaller amount from uh, DC-based minority businesses. DCAP does a number of things which assist these institutions and the minority business community in accessing these opportunities. We're working with these institutions to conduct procurement analysis of what they spend on what services, and we match them with minority businesses that have the capacity to provide those services. What we've discovered in this journey, and I think the institutions have as well, is that there are, in fact minority businesses in D.C. who can provide a good number of these needed supplies and services. Part of the premise of DCAP is that there are advantages to using local suppliers, and they can provide high-quality services at competitive cost. COVID proved this point, particularly as supplier disruption, uh, distribution rather, was disrupted and local suppliers stepped in. Um, uh, Your colleague from the city administrator's office talked about how they engage local suppliers. DCAP did the same thing. Um, as soon as COVID happened, we provided a pre-vetted list of local masks, gowns, um, glove, biohazard cleaning and catering services, and some of our institutions uh, actually use them. Marissa, who I will introduce in a second, is one such um, uh, institution representative um, to do this. This work has been slow but really steady. At the onset, the four Original institutions that we work with had collectively procured 5 million from local minority businesses. As a result of the last year and a half work of DCAP, that number has grown to 15 million, a threefold increase in a relatively short period of time. The other thing that we've done, and this may be of interest to the audience, we've developed the most comprehensive database of minority businesses in the district. Right now, we're tracking about 5,500 minority businesses, that are incorporated in the District of Columbia. Um, and so if you're a minority business and you're listening to this, you probably are in our database, but just to be certain, you should reach out to us, make us aware of your business, let us include you in the database so we can correct you with opportunities. So it is our hope to ultimately recruit all 18 institutions. We're at six right now. We're in conversation with another three or four, but our goal over time is to get all 18 universities and hospitals Um, participating. So I'm delighted to introduce you to two of our Anchor partners. Um, The first is Marissa McKeever, who is from Sibley Hopkins Hospital. Marissa Marissa is Director of Government and Community Affairs. Um, We also have one of our DCAP businesses who I will introduce in a minute. And Marissa, one, can you tell us, our guests, what it was um, like for you to invite DCAP into Sibley um, and what it's been like to work with how has Sibley benefited from it, and what it's been like to work with some of our local um, minority businesses.
5: Thanks, Steve. I appreciate that introduction, and, and thank you to DEMPED and the entire team for the opportunity to be on, on the line today and just in this virtual experience. I'll say, as the head of government and community affairs at Sibley, it's been an, an extraordinary and incredible personal experience for me being a, a, a part of Decap. But also for Sibley as an institution, it's been a great experience working with Steve um, and the team. It has been – we are at the beginning of the journey. Let me put it – let me just start with that. We are at the beginning of this journey. Um, Let me step back for a a, a bit for folks who may not know as much about Sibley Hospital. We're out in Ward 3, and about 10 years ago we integrated with Johns Hopkins Medicine. And as part of that integration, we've been really focused on – um, recreating who we are as an institution in the district in terms of what is our community impact strategy and what excites me the most in being at the, at, at the center of that strategy is health equity. So we've been working a lot over the past few years. I joined Sibley about five years ago, and a big part of my role has been how are we working in and working with communities of color in D.C. And not how, how are we showing up differently, not just for our patients, but also for for residents, for entrepreneurs, for un, um, nonprofits. So, we've been establishing different partnerships and programs, making investments and targeting under resourced and underrepresented communities. Um, so, partnering as being a part of DCAP has been an extension of that community impact strategy. Um, DCAP, in particular, and, and working with Steve and the team, has given Sibley the the, the, the bandwidth, the capacity to be able to start thinking about how we do business differently. Um, DCAP brings expertise, uh, services, um, and reach and connectivity to the table that we wouldn't have otherwise. What I'm ex- also excited about is that this is a multi-year commitment. So when I say this is the beginning of the journey, it's because we are I'm excited about the, 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 the bit that we've done thus far, but it was just a tip of the iceberg in terms of access to additional MBEs in the district and, um, and it, exposure to additional companies. So let me be a bit more specific about what some, some of the work that DCAP has done with and for us. One, they've expanded the capacity of our procurement team. So they're working one-on-one with us on how do we understand the gaps in our institution, what are some of the systems and policies that we need to develop in order to fully activate our inclusion priorities. And, and, and in a more realistic way, a practical way, they ident- we have support with identifying and vetting more Black-owned businesses. Um, so just in the last year, we've had the privilege of working with five additional MBEs that were vetted and recommended by DCAP, and DCAP made that process move. They're bringing bis- businesses to the table um, um, in a very in a very timely way as well. I'll give you a couple of examples. Even right before COVID, Sibley was headed into the need for additional um, strategic communications and public relations support. Within a week, DCAP had provided a full suite of MBEs vetted and, and recommended. Um, similarly, during COVID, we wanted to procure um, thousands of cloth masks that we were we've been pushing out into communities of color over the past hundred days. Within within the matter of I think two or three days, we had received a list of potential um, MBEs from Bcap who could produce cloth masks in the time that we needed um, and and the the production capacity that we needed. So I'm actually really excited to be able to to share this opportunity today um, with another NBE that we've worked with at Sibley um, Fog Hill owned by Shannar Little. Um, so this has been a, a great experience. I think we've got, we've got a lot ahead of us in terms of work to do. I'm excited about this pathway that Sibley is involved in, in terms of um, wealth building in communities of color.
4: Marissa, that's great. Um, listening to you uh, implores me to lift up the fact that without someone like you advocating on the inside of these institutions, DCAP would never have a chance to take root and do the work that we do. So I want to publicly thank you for your vision. You have built the will inside uh, Sibley um, to be not just connected to DCAP but connected to some of those broader initiatives that you described. Um, one thing that is germane in this procurement work of penetrating new and large systems is that you have to have champions, and DCAP would not be as successful without champions like you and your colleagues and in other institutions. It is now my pleasure to introduce um, just one of my favorite people in the world and one of, I, one of our most successful DCAP businesses, but also just a person who embodies everything that all the work we do in government and community and corporate lifts up. Um, Sinar Little is the founder and the owner um, of Fog Hill Maintenance Company. And I've listened to Shinar tell his story, uh, and he never quite gets it right because he talks about his vision to um, help others and his vision to um, create employment opportunities and also just build his business strong in D.C. He's a Ward 7 resident. But Shinar really started by starting a summer basketball league um, in Ward 7, east of the river, um, to actually stop some of his friends from being killed during the summer months where violence was at its peak. And then he realized that the basketball league took care of people during the summer, but he needed to create jobs for people to keep them safe during the winter and it is that vision that gave birth to um fog hill um uh, fog hill is working on multiple of our institutions marissa has hired him at sibley but he's also worked at georgetown and other places so shanar please tell them your story and the services that you provide and your view of how DCAP has helped you as a minority business in the district
6: well, thank you steve i appreciate you uh shouting me out you to marissa um and uh Ben thank you for having me on this phone call. Uh yes, yeah, so pretty much we started we started in 2014 um, as a strong uh, facility maintenance company. And um I've had the pleasure of actually working with uh working with Georgetown University as well and being able to have access through the DCAP program to be able to access um and navigate some of the bureaucracy that comes with trying to do business with the institutions. Um and it has allowed me the opportunity to be able to show that us as small businesses, small CBEs, MBEs can also conduct services at the same or better level than um some of our uh, some of our more industrial um, um, competitors, who are who are a lot more bigger. Um, I think I think that it was this has just been a great opportunity because it has allowed for me not to only just hire folks, it has not only just allowed for me to be able to uh, give folks the opportunity, but it has also allowed for us to actually go in our neighborhoods and figure out ways that we can change it. You know, you, you know, you know, you think that a contract only is okay. You just went up a, a, a new contract, but it's more than that is you end up declining or decreasing recidivism. You end up, you know, because access to employment is it does something to the mindset. It changes some folks ways of thinking. It, it changes some of the the behavior, you know. Um, if folks don't have opportunity, then that's when you know it leaves their mind idle to think about all different types of things, and on some of those things being negative. Um, I think I just drew a blank, Mrs. Glade. Is there something else that you want to kind of like go into as well? Uh,
4: I, I just you know talk about your you know your challenges growing your business. Uh, how DECAP and access to these institutions has helped you envision a bigger scale and actually achieve some of that scale, which I know is part of your story.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, man, definitely. So um, part of my my vision has been to grow this company beyond on where it is right now and to be able to employ. I have a goal where I want to employ at least 300 residents, and that's my current goal at the moment. I know DECAP has played a, a, a huge part of that because it has, pretty much opened the doorway to some of the institutions, like I said, that I would have never been able to walk in, or it would have been a lot of, you know, like I said, bureaucracy, just trying to get into who my end users are. And um, they have allowed for that, for they have allowed for that, or massage that whole platform to be able to allow me to walk in the door and feel confident that I can go in there and I can sell myself and sell my, my company's skill set and market us. In a way where where we can still go and perform at a very high level, um, the story the the story of a, a fall kill just comes completely out of War Seven. It comes out of out of you know me actually coming home from college and like Mister Gale said, I started a basketball tournament. But the, it wasn't just about basketball. It was more about um the fact of every person that played in that in that basketball tournament. In order to play, you had to go and you had to be a part of either some type of educational alternative program or some type of workforce alternative program in order to play in the program. I mean, in order to play in the inside of the tournament. And everybody who came in there and did that, what I've noticed that, you know, once that time was over, the season was over, folks didn't have nothing to do. And a lot of times, we, you know, the next part to getting, okay, we have you trained now, we have you inside of educational outlet now, What what next can happen? And the next thing really is employment. And giving them not just only employment, but giving folks being able to have them access to livable wages that can produce, I kind of head them right in the way of a career pathway. Um, you know, when, when I hire somebody and they go through our training and they get their Fall Kill Green certificate, that's just the beginning of the journey. Once they go through that, the next step actually is for they're already thinking, how do we become building managers? You know, and the reason why I say building managers is because by us having a platform where we have plumbing in house, we have other facilities services in-house, what happens is that, pro- that person comes through the door, as they may come through the door as a janitor, when they come through the door as a janitor, they may walk out and may be able to go somewhere else, but they now have more marketable skills along with more certifications. Um, if you don't mind me mentioning it, I'll also say, like, up at Sibley, we had, we, we, we had a meeting up Sibley. We found out that we didn't have the equity training. And um, as we didn't have the equity training, after we had that meeting, I made sure that every person inside of my organization was equa certified wow, because we will now walk back in another hospital and that not be able to be the case. Um, And Marissa's laughing, but yeah. (laughs) So
5: Fantastic.
0: Um, Thank you so much, Zanar, for sharing your story. And Marissa, we're delighted that you were here. Thank you, Steve, for introducing them. I did want to mention once again... Uh, the DCAP program is one, uh, one of the programs that obviously the administration is constantly thinking about, how do we create equitable opportunities for our minority-owned businesses and our women-owned businesses here? Uh, and this is one of those examples, as we think about procurement and opportunity externally about how we support those local businesses here in the city. So thank you again, Steve, for being here uh, and being a part of the panel uh, along with Sibley Hospital and and we we certainly appreciate you being here. Please stay on the line uh, as you know that there'll be additional questions and things like that. Hey,
4: Sabangali, Sabangali. I I wanted to say one thing that I was remiss in my introduction and, and, and I know I I would get a text later. um, And that was to mention that DEMPED is, is DCAP's co-convener. I actually, I um, thought I heard you say that in your opening remarks and then I replayed the tapes. I, I think it's really important to lift up the fact that DIMPED co convened DCAP with CNHED. And the reason it's so important to mention that is because um, this effort is part of the city's five year economic strategy, which DIMPED is responsible for developing. And from the very beginning, DIMPED embrace the idea of supporting the institutions we work with as well as the businesses by having it integrated into the city's efforts. So DCAP is actually co-convened by DEMPED and and CNATD. I think it's important for the audience to know that. And one last thing very quickly, um, this work is extremely disciplined work. It is scientific work. This is not just about getting procurements and hunting for businesses to meet them. Um, We work with a team of consultants within each institution and really develop an individual strategy for Hopkins and Georgetown, for simply Hopkins and Georgetown and Children's um, that really match both their structure processes, policy, and culture. That's the only way this work sustains itself, and it's the only way that five years we will look down the road and see a, a much larger increase in the business uh, that, is transpi- that transpires between these institutions and the MBE community. Sorry, Sabondre, I needed to get that in.
0: No worries. That's not a problem at all. Thank you uh, for that. Uh, I did want to also remind everyone that is uh, listening in to please press zero if you'd like to uh, be placed in queue uh, so that you can ask your questions to the audience, to uh, to our guest here. Um, we did just finish hearing a presentation about the DCAP program, but what I'd like to do is uh, actually uh, send it back over to Director Shutter. Uh, to talk a little bit more about uh, procurement and opportunities, initiatives, and things that OCP are thinking about, the work that they're doing, initiatives that are being planned, uh, and the work that's taking place uh, on that side of the house. So, Director Shudda, I'd like to send it back over to you for you to share uh, some of the things that are happening uh, in your agency.
2: Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate absolutely. that. I, I absolutely want to thank uh, industry for in the district for really stepping up uh, over this emergency, it's really been amazing, um, and I did want to share with the with uh, with the audience that uh, as we've moved um, forward, uh, we do still have a a monthly uh, seminar of how to do business with the district, uh, as well as uh, how to obtain a DC supply schedule. Um, that we do monthly, and we are doing that virtually now. Uh, So if uh, audience is able to go to ocp.dc.gov for our monthly uh, seminar on doing business with the district, as well as uh, a separate course on how to obtain a a D.C. supply schedule. And uh, this is certainly uh, one mechanism that the district will look uh, to engage uh, with industry. You have to be a district business. You have to meet the certification requirements as a, uh, as a district uh, resident-owned business in order to be a certified business and, uh, enterprise in the district. And um, our district laws and our focus is, is certainly on uh, ensuring that we're able to do business uh, with district businesses. I just wanted to make sure that our audience knew that uh, both those courses uh, are online. Uh, we'll be doing them this month, and uh, not a need to uh, to come in physically to do them.
0: Fantastic. Uh, City administrator Melvin, did you also have anything that you'd like to, to like, like to add or share?
1: Um, I was just I was thinking about um, Shinar talking about change, um, mm-hmm. and and I reminded me of something that Mayor Bowser tells us all the time, that you know no one wants to be in this pandemic. No one wanted this to happen. Mm-hmm. And though we're here, and I think it, um, while it calls us to act responsibly and respond in a very serious way to a very serious risk, um, it gives us an opportunity to think about how we can do things differently yeah. and shape um, our processes and our public policies uh, differently to support our community differently. And I think that... Um, From the procurement angle, um, it's always about thinking, one, how do we meet the requirements of the district, but how do we use district businesses in order to do that? And uh, I think what George and OCP are doing when we think about our new requirement to include 50% of CBE for non-emergency procurements, that's going to be a really big opportunity um, for the district to get its needs met and continue this cycle of reinvestment um, in itself. Uh, one small example of that, um, that, I you know, Marissa talking about um, supplying cloth masks to community. Um, we, we purchased a lot of PPE in the district, thinking that we were going to have this huge amount of surge
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, to respond to. Thankfully, um, we haven't had to, um, uh, to go into any of that surge of capacity yet, and hopefully we don't have to. And thanks to hospitals like Sibley for being able to respond to that as well. Um, but when we went into phase one, the mayor wanted us to support phase one businesses with PPE, with hand sanitizer, with uh, cleaning materials um, that we had stored up um, for that mission uh, to be able to support district businesses in reopening in the ways that they could under the mayor's order. Um, and in, in many cases, and maybe most cases, the products that we were delivering uh, for free to those bids and main streets to distribute to district businesses were provided by district businesses. Um, so it was it was um, a great synergy in how um, you know public procurement and local industry was um, able to support itself and, uh, and and change rapidly to the information on the ground till, um we no longer had to respond to a health crisis. Now it's responding to an economic crisis using the same materials. Um, So uh, that's a small example, but I think one that I think about often in this pandemic. Yeah, Yeah. no, that's helpful.
0: That's helpful. Um, I'd like to uh, take a moment now, just to once again remind everyone: uh, press zero if you'd like to to be in the queue uh, for if you have a question for uh, our panel. But I'd like to pivot last to. Uh, Milton Goodman from our Department of Small and Local Business Development, so that he can share a little bit more information about procurement opportunities from a federal perspective and the work that they do there. And then we'll begin to uh, open it up for questions. Milton,
3: thank you again, Sabanglia, um, and again, if I didn't say it before, I really appreciate them having me on the panel uh, this afternoon um, for sure. The DCP Tac uh, is here for the district to. Uh, Uh, render to district-based businesses personalized uh, counseling as well as competitive insight for navigating the government procurement process successfully. And how we do that, obviously, is through one-on-one counseling. We do a tremendous amount of uh, market research and uh, and, um, assisting our clients with their business plans as well as offering up... uh, uh, certification assistance. We we definitely would encourage you, if you're not already, to be a, 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 a certified business enterprise here in the District of Columbia, or CBE. We encourage you to go through that process at DSLBD, and your next stop realistically should should be the the p because um, it's it's only natural from a small business perspective to really go to the next step once you. Um, become certified as a CBE and you're eligible for preference points. Now you want to position yourself as as best as possible to do business in both the District of Columbia government as well as the, the federal government. Now it's not difficult at all to become a client of the PTAC. Uh, the only thing you have to do is be properly registered um, with the, the um, Department of Consumer Regulatory Affairs. And we want to make sure that when you come to us, you do have a plan. Um, you may not have a completed plan, but you got a direction as to which way you want to go. And um, you have written it down in some, some way, form, or fashion. Um, have to have been around for at least about six months to a year under your company banner, okay? We encourage you to, to come to us in that particular fashion. You're registered with a DUNS number. And you really know what a contract looks like, either on the commercial side of the house or uh, the the government side of the house. So if you can answer yes to those particular questions, you can become a PTAC client without a problem at all. And um, when you come to us and you come to us with your plan, I have some excellent counselors that will sit down along with myself. We'll sit down and we'll do an assessment of what your business is all about. Now, when you come to us with your plan, it may not be the direction that we would encourage you to go based on your core competencies and based on the strength that you show us in the way of past performance. If you don't have any past performance and you're just starting out, while we do not encourage pre-ventures or startups to really um, become clients of ours, we definitely will not turn you away. We will assign you with some homework strategy, and then you can come back, and then be ready to receive the information that we actually have to offer. Now, the PTAC also gets involved in um, pre- and post-contract award. In the event that you do win a contract, there's always uh, uh, activity for work breakdown structure and things of that particular nature, and you want to make sure that you are ready when you meet your customer in that particular posture. But even prior to winning the award, you got to go through the solicitation process. We will help you with proposal development. We will not do the proposal for you, but we will definitely walk through the steps as far as the um, team approach is concerned. As well as position you for subcontracting opportunities, should you just be coming in and you're not, you're not, uh, uh, you don't have a prime contract of your own, we would assist you and work with you and see whether or not we can properly position you to obtain subcontracts within either in the district or on the federal government side. We offer assistance in the various certifications. Uh, While we do have a CBE team at at, uh, DSLBD, there are other certifications that will take place on the federal side of the house that we can assist you with. So there's a complete array of services and training that you can take advantage of with the PTAC. We're here as a tool to support DC-based businesses, as well as um, put you in the right position, if you will, to pursue DC contracts, DC opportunities, as well as federal government opportunities. We were very, very fortunate to connect with uh, Steve Glade and CNHED in working the DC Anchor Partnership. Uh, It it made uh, clearly a win 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 situation for us because obviously, when uh, the Anchor Partnership came into play, it quickly gave access to minority businesses when it came to other business opportunities that they realistically were not. Uh, privy to, so all of a sudden the anchor partnership kind of laid these opportunities out. But then even more so when the awards took place and they were they were successful, it put um, a real strong value proposition moving forward with the de- with de- with uh, the anchor partnership. And of course, that third win when that customer receives quality expertise at what they define as quality pricing and quality pricing at that given point in time is, you know, you're getting a great job, you're doing a great job, but just you're not paying as much as you would normally pay if you were to go to another organization like uh, maybe a group purchasing organization in the medical environment or a regional purchasing um, coalition or something along that particular line. But uh, you're getting these quality pricing from a diverse group and a diverse talent. We try to make sure that we can zero in on our client base to be ready when these requirements do come across the board. And we're just uh, we're just grateful that uh, the DCAP looked at the PTAC in order to pursue these particular requirements, and we were, we were just fortunate to be in position. And we've had some great success stories. So in the event that you're looking to really take advantage of the vehicles, and the programs are available for small businesses coming out of DSLBD, please look at the PTAC when you are looking to pursue um, contracting opportunities in government. And um, obviously, dimp has placed us in the position with CNHED to really be a successful entity coming out of the District of Columbia government. So, if you got any additional questions as to how to really zero in on becoming clients of the PTAC, whereas we have somewhere along the line of about 1,100 um, clients in our repository currently right about now, uh, we're doing a challenging job, if you will, to make sure that we can support them. And um, we're about seven years old under DSLBD currently at this given point in time. And we're moving forward from a successful perspective thank you very much
0: fantastic thank you so much uh milton i think what i heard was that if you are a dc-based business if you are a local business here in the district and you are interested in procurement opportunities and becoming a vendor with the federal government that they need to talk to you milton over at dslbd is that what i just heard
3: Absolutely, especially <laughs> if you're looking for procurement vehicles and you don't quite understand how to obtain them from the yes, Small Dad. Business Administration. We work very closely in assisting you in acquiring those particular vehicles. If you're interested to understand the scheduling process, i.e., the GSA schedule, the MOBIS schedule, professional services schedule that's out under the G- General Services Administration. We welcome the opportunity to support you in that particular effort. We just make sure that you are ready to receive the information that we have to offer, and we will help you along the way. But if you're interested in doing business, D.C.-based businesses is what we are interested in because the PTAC is geographically located across the continent in the U.S. They have one in uh, Northern Virginia, and they also have another PTAC in, in Maryland. We respectfully focus on D.C.-based businesses. So if you're interested, come and talk to us. We can work with you in any aspect of business growth and acceleration.
0: Thank you, you for flagging that, Milton.
3: I just ask that district-based business, is D.C. <laughs> business too.
0: <laughs> exactly, D.C.-based businesses. Um, so with that, <laughs> I want open it up because we have some folks that are anxious to ask some questions. Um, I did want to ask all of our guests, uh, Milton, Steve, uh, Director Shutter. Um, once again, for everyone, make sure you have a pen or a pencil so that you can write this down. How do they get in contact with you guys? Uh, Milton, can you share? Is there an email address? Uh, <laughs> to reach out to PTAC, Steve, same questions for you as well, and Director Shutter.
3: Absolutely. Um, if you want to get a hold of the PTAC, you can call me directly if you want. Um, I can be reached at our number of 202 seven two seven thirty nine hundred and my email address is milton.goodman at dc dot gov. All
0: right thank now you we also have,
3: and we have an intake coordinator her name is Michelle Harris and she can be contacted at the exact same number if you can't get a hold of me. Her email address is Michelle Harris and the number two at DC.gov.
0: Thank you, Milton. We appreciate it. Steve, how do how do people um, get
4: information?
0: This uh DCAP?
4: Um, they can go to our website to get information. www.cnhed.org. That's www.cnhed.org. Um, or just call, um, and we'll we'll get a message and. Provide information two zero two seven four five zero nine zero two extension two, um, and we'll even in this remote moment that we're in, we'll get electronic messages about the inquiries, and we'll send out information, kids, as well as follow up with a personal phone call.
0: Fantastic, thank you, Director Shutter.
2: There are a, uh, a number of ways that uh, I would love to be able to, uh, for anybody to get in touch uh, with with OCP and get in touch with the D.C. government. Uh, certainly at ocp.dc.gov, uh, we have a, a number of resources there, uh, including our ombudsman uh, that you can set up an individual appointment with. Uh, we have our transparency site where individuals are able to see Contracts that are awarded by the district, actual contracts, payments uh, from the district, uh, <clears throat> opportunities from the district, forecasts from the district, uh, and and certainly also able to email ocp at dc.gov, as well as call directly to OCP directly at 202-727-0252. Thank you.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this one last thing before we open up the call, is that I know that there was also some conversation about workforce and hiring. Uh, And as we think about these opportunities and and how we uh, help our local businesses increase their own book of business and their own clientele, well, as so you think about as you grow, you are also identifying and looking for talent. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we do have a Department of Employment Services that can help uh, can help businesses uh, who are looking to hire uh, talent. You can list your employment opportunities or even uh, identify talent. Through that department, they have a DC Network website. It is www.dcnetwork.org, where you can place your uh, your position descriptions to begin looking for talent here in DC. So there is another resource here if you are trying to identify talent uh, and you're trying to grow your grow your business. This is a great place to start uh, by working with the Department of Employment Services to. Uh, also put in your your uh, your hiring needs uh, there as well. Uh, with that, I'd like to go ahead and remind once again everybody to press zero if you'd like to be in the queue uh, so that we can call you uh, so that you're able to ask a question of the panelists here uh, that we have. And so I'd like to start with Jennifer from uh, Ward Seven. I think you had a question about uh, DCAP and the small minority, uh, the small business minority list,
5: Jennifer. Yes, hi. Good afternoon. I, hi, I was actually asked, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good, good. I was actually asking what, so I, I hear the acronym, the CAP, I, I think I'm saying it correctly. It's kind of hard to hear sometimes when you're on these calls. But can you tell me what um what that stands for? And then there's a list, a minority uh, business list or a small business list that you mentioned. And so how does one
0: get
4: on, on that list? You um check that. yep um dcap is the acronym for the d c community anchor partnership, and just to demystify um the anchor aspect of it uh, large institutions um that are placed in, that are exist in cities are what are referred to in industry terms as anchor institutions, and they're generally considered anchor institutions because they're very large. They hire a lot of people. They provide large-scale services, and they transact large-scale businesses. Um, if you were to think of a shopping center, just to clarify, you know, every shopping center uh, has an anchor business. Like in most shopping centers, it's the grocery store. And then the nail shops and the barbershops are the other things that the the anchor, um, and so if you think citywide, our universities and hospitals our anchor institutions, and that's why it has the name DC Community Anchor Partnership. Um, if you if you um, email me at at at, uh, at what's on our website for DCAP, which is d d c a p at c n h e d we will give you your business information to our business vetting consultants. We have a team of amazing. Um, African-American women who used to do minority supplier work for Verizon. Um, they help Verizon meet their minority supplier goals. They work with us in vetting businesses. And what they will do is literally call you, interview you, learn your business, and put you in our database. So that way when a procurement becomes available that matches your background, um, they will tee you up for potential bids for those procurements. Thank you, Steve.
0: Um, next call on the line is Miles Gray uh, from uh, Brands Build Company. And uh, I think you also had a question. Miles, can you hear us?
7: Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yes, you can. Oh, great, great. Uh, well, thank you for taking the question. Uh, so, my name is Miles Gray. Um, my company, Brands Build Culture uh, DC, um, used to handle all the large activations for Washington, DC down in South by Southwest. You know, this is obviously uh, pre-COVID. So um, once we, um, you know, saw, you know, COVID happen, um, we knew that we would have to kind of pivot and uh, change our business strategy. And um, the first thing that kind of resonated with us was the fact that um, a lot of schools were saying that they would not be able to reopen um, due to the cost of sanitizers um, and the lack of hand sanitizers, surface sanitizers, that sort of thing. Um, so what we did was we assembled a team of uh, mostly Howard graduates, um, Howard, Howard Law, um, an epidemiologist from Howard who's at Yale now, who's a professor, um, some MBAs, pharmacists, um, foot and ankle, dentistry, um, as well as some wealth managers, and assembled a team of uh, people. Um, and then we started to attack the problem of what's kind of what's going on in the hand standardized space, which is um, as you start starting to see these recalls um, some of these people are putting in methanol into into their hand sanitizers. Um, some people are sourcing ethanol that's not uh, a USP or what they call a food grade. Um, and it's um, starting to be recalled in Canada, you know, people who are using fuel grade um, or industrial products. So what we did was we, we sourced a sugarcane-based um, hand sanitizer that's gentler on the skin. And it's something that, you know, we are ethically and morally, you know, okay with actually, you know, giving to children spraying on children's hands that sort of thing because some of the products out here um that are typically meant for fuel for gasoline shouldn't be sprayed on anybody much less children um or the 66 million kids that are about to come to schools um here um, in, in the next couple of months so my question is um when we i've gone through uh ptac and michelle harris has been incredible in get it in the system our cbe has been around for uh, four years uh, we have all the certifications um, we're waiting on our CAGE code for the federal procurement. Um, but my question is, um, when, when you apply to something like PTAC or OCT and put yourself into the, into the pool of people, um, how do you actually differentiate, differentiate yourself, right? Because our system um, is one that shows, you know, schools not only how to not get price gouged um, on the cost of the sanitizers, but how to bring in a better product, and then also how to reuse the dispensers and the sprayers um, so that we don't, you know, add to, you know, a lack of sustainability or increase, uh, you know, plastic waste. We show schools how to save money by utilizing their internal facilities maintenance staff um, to actually uh, distribute sanitizer around the school the same way that they would uh, liquid hand soaps. Um, so how do you, put yourself into a pool like that and not just get lumped in as just another hand sanitizer company, that sort of thing. How do you get somebody to actually take a deep look and have a conversation with you about what you offer versus just looking up a code or NIDP code or, you know, that sort of thing, if that makes any sense?
3: It makes a lot of sense. Um, the main thing that you need to make sure you are totally aware, you know, we're in some, some real challenging times, and when pivoting takes place, you'd be surprised what comes out of your your skill set. So after you've gone through the process, and I'm glad to hear that you're working well with Michelle from a process perspective, you've got everything in order relative to proper um, notoriety that your company does. You're carrying various codes. You're carrying various NIGP codes. Now it's time to sit down with a counselor or myself, to really see exactly, you know, what you have and you sound as if though you know the direction that you want to go relative to uh, the PPEs. So, you know, that's a good thing. But when you sit down with a counselor, we need to make sure we understand your clear discriminators as it relates to your product and services and make no mistake about it. I'm going to query you with respect to who you know. You This is not the first time at the rodeo for you you know, who exactly, who do you know so that we can take an assessment of of who you need to be talking to and who will, just like Steve has given a lot of small businesses access in the educational institutions and medical institutions because of DCAP. I want to find out who you know so that we can replenish your relationships uh, so we can move forward with your pivoting process. So to take you out of the... The crowd, so to speak, and have you as a uh, an entity with a discriminator. Uh, that's the goal, because you're right to sit in a pile and not have um, the ability to come out of that pile. You know, you're gonna it's, it's it's a stalemate for you. So I would encourage you to get with one of my counselors or myself. Again, you can call me and we can we can have further conversation on this, um, or you can email me and then. The next move for us is to connect you with a council to see exactly what ingredients you have in the base of your company.
0: Thank you, Milton. Steve, uh, did it looks like you were nodding as well. Did you uh, have any uh, comments or, or thoughts from Miles?
4: Yeah, real quick, and it's it's uh, echoing what Milton said. And one of the things that it's important to understand is that so much of procurement is about relationship and familiarity. So I think it was a really astute question for the business owner to say, how do I separate myself from the pack? Um, Part of what we're trying to chip away at with this work that Milton does and that we and others do is to break that that chain of familiarity. I mean, procurement is such an intriguing dynamic And a lot of times people don't look at it from the procurement person's point of view. But if I'm a procurement person at a hospital, I just care whether there are gloves in the drawer when the surgeon goes to perform surgery and that those gloves don't cost me 10% more than they did last year. But layered on top of that is the notion that if I've been dealing with a supplier um, um, year after year after year, that's a box I can easily check. We're trying to disrupt that in a healthy way and give some other people an opportunity, and it really does come down to relationships. So if that gentleman were to become part of our database, um, which is 5,500 businesses, I would encourage him to reach out, just as Milton said, to reach out to him. I would encourage him to reach out to us and let our vetting consultants get to know him better um, so that we would have him at the forefront of opportunities that we identify.
0: Thank you, Steve. Um, I am going to our, our last question. Uh, we have uh, Ayana Howard on the line, and this is a question for Milton, and uh, she wanted to know, Ayana, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi there. Would you like to go ahead and answer your, ask your question?
5: Yeah. Well, actually, my question was answered. <laughs> my name is Ayana, and I am um, calling from Earl Howard Studios, a long time small business in the District of Columbia. And um I I really just wanted clarity on the DCAP. I didn't understand clearly what that was either. Um but I did get that from the first caller and I think that the um email you gave us was the D C
4: A P at is it C N H E D dot org? That's correct. It's D C A P at C N H E D Dot org. Okay. Yeah, that was my question.
0: Thank you so much, Ayana, for joining us today. Uh, with that, I, I would like to uh, to close out and allow uh, my esteemed colleagues here, uh, Assistant City Administrator Melder and Director Shetter, if you guys had any final remarks.
1: Um, no, it's just been. Um, wonderful conversation and um we're still the district's still doing business and still meeting requirements Mm -hmm. and still want to do that um with dc businesses and dc Mm -hmm. business owners
2: i I really thank you for this opportunity and uh opportunity to to thank our dc businesses for really stepping up in this pandemic and and making this happen and that's been that's been great Uh, you know as we Transition from uh, from COVID to other things. Uh, certainly, if there are businesses in the district or other businesses that have interest in supporting district needs, uh, uh, vendor uh, relations at dc is an email site that businesses are able to send ideas to uh, for support, and we look at that uh, often. Uh, also, certainly our coronavirus.dc.gov uh, website is a, is a place that, uh, that we can go to. And uh, I certainly uh, encourage, again, uh, businesses that are interested in doing business with the district mm-hmm. uh, to go to ocp.dc.gov. We've got our monthly uh, training um, for any business that's, that's interested, as well as our, our monthly trainings around uh, uh, D.C. supply schedules uh, that we'd love to have you. Thank Absolutely.
0: you. Thank you, Director Jody. Also, I would like to uh, thank my other partners here, uh, Steve Glide from CNHED, uh, Marissa McKeever, and also uh, Shinar Little, we thank you for being here, and Milton Goodman from DSLBD. Uh, did you guys have any final remarks?
4: Yeah, you know, I, I just want to say that the small business community, the minority business community, in D.C. I didn't know this until we began to do this work. I didn't know it with the depth that I appreciate it now. It's really fortunate to have a lot of supports. Um, A deputy mayor's office that understands the value as well as the challenges. Um, An array of agencies that include DSLBD where PTAC is. Um, An external stakeholder community that includes a lot of these large influential institutions. Um, and a host of other supports. Um, This work enjoys champions on the city council. Councilman Kenyon McDuffie is a huge champion of this work. Um, And and so I would say that even during these challenging times that we're facing, where businesses are having to pivot as the gentleman said before, I think that there's a lot to be hopeful for. Um, I don't think other cities have quite the same array of supports and opportunities. And as hard as the road may be, connect to some of these support systems wherever they may be, whether it's in the deputy mayor's office or DSLBD or with us, or even directly with some of these institutions, because there is a growing will as well as a growing appreciation for how small businesses might be the solution for a lot of community problems that we have historically tried to solve within government and other places.
5: Thank you, Steve. I would second that. This is Marissa from Sibley, Johns Hopkins. I encourage all of those on the line to really connect with those supports that Steve just described. And speaking from an anchor institution perspective, I would also just encourage folks to just be patient with the process. Um, I, I will say on behalf of Sibley and other anchors in D.C., when we come up from COVID and as we move into recovery, we are going to be this whole experience is going to create a need for us to, to think about um, how we do business um, with small businesses, with minority owned businesses, local businesses in particular. The flexibility that we've seen during this time, the nimbleness, the ability to pivot is um, has been unlike any other. Um, and so I can see even for our institution, we, we've had a number of conversations with MBEs in the last year, the last two years and and there's more work, there's more projects, there's more spend. Um, and so practicing that patience, continuing to, to connect to those supports and reaching back out to those institutions, particularly as we as as we move um, into this next phase of COVID, we're all going to be thinking about things differently.
3: Absolutely. Yes, and that's what I have. This is Milton. I just want to make sure that I let the audience know, in the event that you have questions, Don't challenge your potential client with your questions. Utilize your resources. We are a tool for you to bounce your questions off to see exactly whether or not you're moving in the right direction. We don't have a problem talking to you on the phone and making certain that we can encourage you to move forward from your core competency perspective. So use the PTAC to ask the questions that you don't, typically want to ask your customer because when you touch base with your customer, you want to be business ready. And that's all I have to say.
0: Thank you so much, Milton, for your comments. So, again, we are at the end of our uh, program today, but I hope this information was helpful. Uh, Please, by all means, continue to visit the coronavirus.dc.gov website. There is a lot of information there around procurement opportunities, information that you've heard here today as well. Uh, from our guests, uh, internal and external, uh, from OCP, from CNATG, thank you for being here, DSLBD, our guests from Sibley Hospital, and also our business uh, from the, uh, Mr. Little. I want to thank everyone for for being here. Again, a reminder, please visit the coronavirus.dc.gov website for more information uh, around procurement and all other opportunities uh, as we continue to move through this uh, experience that we are having uh, at this time. Uh, Understand that this is a, a fluid. Uh, opportunity for us to continue to think about how we move forward in supporting our local businesses, our minority-owned businesses, our women-owned businesses here in the city. Uh, So we'll continue to provide as much information as we can uh, through uh, these teletown halls and other convenings and conversations.
6: So thank you so much for being here today.